2 Timothy chapter number 4. And we're going to start reading at verse number 1. And when you come to your place in Scripture, if you'd stand with me tonight for the reading of God's Word. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we're going to start reading in verse number 1. The last couple of Wednesdays, we have just ministered uh, as the Lord has directed. Uh, Typically on Wednesdays, we present a sermon series. And so the first couple of Wednesdays of this month did not present a sermon series. And I was just doing our best to follow the leading of the Lord, what He'd have to say to the church, and just uh, praying about His direction. And uh, But tonight is uh, night number one that we are going to begin uh, a sermon series here. And we're going to be looking, uh, this is going to be for a little bit of time, uh, but we're going to be preaching uh, on the subject of biblical foundations. Biblical foundations. And we're going to be uh, just uh, taking a look into uh, some of the fundamental truths and doctrines uh, upon uh, which we believe, uh, not only these doctrines of which we believe, but also looking at God's Word as to why we believe them. And uh, we're going to be sharing in regards to some of this, and so we're going to be covering some specifics. I encourage you, uh, in these weeks that we're going to be looking at this, uh, I encourage you, number one, I know summer's coming on, uh, here with, with spring, we've had folks with uh, travel, with spring break. We've had folks that have been battling with different sicknesses and things of that nature. But Wednesday nights especially, there may be some Sunday nights that we preach on this subject as well. But I have felt very challenged, very stirred by the Lord uh, that now is a time to really deliver uh, this this is uh, what I would call basics, uh, but I believe that it is imperative that we get back to the Bible. Amen. We get back to the Bible and say, "Well, brother Jacob, around here we don't we don't deviate from God's word." No, I know that, and we're always going to do our best to always do that and uphold that standard for sure. But uh, if there's ever a time that I believe that we need to really be anchored in what we believe and knowing what we believe, today is the day for that. So I encourage you, number one, uh, make Wednesday nights a priority. Uh, Schedules and busyness, it can make it difficult to have uh, Bible study, if you will, on particular nights. Uh, to where maybe we would do a deep dive on something like this. And so therefore the Lord's challenged me for the church body uh, that we, as we come together, we're going to be looking at some of these things. And I encourage you, if you don't already do this, uh, bring a notepad with you. Bring a pen. Uh, we're, going to be, we're going to be looking and, and uh, teaching on some of these things and how this applies to our lives but, uh, but we're looking forward to this, and I believe God's going to help us and speak to us in regards to these things. But 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting at verse number 1, if you're there with me, would you say amen? The Bible says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant 
in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Listen to this. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Do you think that we're there? Yeah. They will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And as I said, we're going to be preaching starting tonight here on biblical foundations. And we're going to look tonight. And we're going to start here on the necessity of the Word of God. Amen. Would you help us to pray? Father, we thank you tonight for your faithfulness. And I thank you for your Word. I'm thankful for its truth. I'm thankful tonight that though heaven and earth would pass away, the Word of the Lord, it endures forever. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would anoint our hearts and ears. Challenge us, Lord, I do pray. I ask, Lord, your anointing. Lord, that we would hear and receive what you would have to say. And Lord, let these truths be planted deep in our hearts tonight. And help us, Lord, that it bring forth good fruit in our lives. I pray that you would anoint my mind and lips to preach as would bring you glory. Give us clarity of thought. We ask for your help. Meet us in these altars, I do pray. And we thank you for it. And we do ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated this evening. As we look tonight, I want you to understand that uh, there might be some, uh, and, and this is for the sake of saying, I guess if you will, a disclaimer. There might be some uh, who would say, well, Brother Jacob, you know, um, uh, for a Wednesday night crowd, uh, for a Sunday night crowd, we're, we're your faithful folks. We're your core group. And, and uh, is it really worth the time to be going through some things that some of us, we've been in the church for 40, 50, 60 years. We know this kind of thing. Is it really worth us going through and looking at all of these things? And I say a resounding yes. Yes, it is important. And yes, it is imperative. And can I say tonight that it does not matter how long that we have been, uh, quote unquote, in the church. No matter how many sermons that we have heard preached. Uh, no matter how many meetings that we have been to. We can be at different revivals. We can be at different conferences. We can be at different uh, camp meetings, whatever the case might be. And we could have heard the word of God preached inside and out. There are some of us in here that there has been thousands upon thousands of hours of preaching that you have heard through the years. And, uh, but in regards to that, I can assure you of this, is that we never arrive at a place as to where we have reached a pinnacle spiritually as to where we don't need continued teaching and instruction in the Word of God. One of the things that I have found to be so necessary as a pastor, I have long dismissed the idea, Brother Marvin, that everybody who sits in the pew uh, has a knowledge about the Word of God. 
uh, that, uh, that sometimes even what seems like maybe to some of us the most basic of Bible stories, maybe the most basic of parables or the teachings of Christ or certain things that maybe to some would seem so very obvious, not everybody who comes into the church has had an opportunity like some of us have had. Not everybody who comes into the house of God uh, knows the things about God. As a matter of fact, can I say tonight that even though the statistics will tell us, as a matter of fact, the statistics are pretty interesting because uh, they, uh, the, the numbers and the percentages that they give us, there's great contradiction in some of this and in the fact that we now roughly, uh, in the United States of America, uh, there is uh, a little over seventy percent, and and uh, some of those some of these numbers and statistics might be quite liberal uh, in in regards when you get down to the brass tacks of the matter. Uh, but uh, roughly seventy percent, maybe a little bit more, that claim that they are Christians. Uh, that claim that they believe in God and or uh, what they claim to be a higher power. There are some that believe that there is something or someone greater than us, but out of that percentage, there are those who would say that they can't necessarily say that it is God or that they deem that power as deity. But they are those that would confess and say that I do think that we are limited in our humanity and that there has to be something more. And then there are those out of that 70% that now it's almost at 50% of the American population that, uh, that will say that they believe the Bible is true. That it is correct, that it is inerrant, infallible. And so therefore we're finding as these numbers start declining, when you begin to ask and press and you're asking people, what is it that you really believe? What is it that you look to, amen, as your source to guide? What is it that is uh, is, uh, directing your thoughts and guiding your life? What principles do you hold fast to? Are there promises that you believe are God or and and that his word is true and we find that those numbers waver and they wane and they're a little bit all over the place as there are some that say well about you know some of us do and others don't and and some we believe yes that there is a God and others say well just a higher power but can I say tonight if there is ever a time that I believe that it is imperative it is, it is a necessity that we go back to the basics of scripture that we look once again to the truth of God's word amen I believe now is that day and now is that time my friends can I tell you 
you tonight in this ever-growing, and let me say it like this, because a lot of it is like this. Uh, there is an ever-growing social media gospel that's out there. Amen. You get on the Facebook, you get on Instagram, you get on whatever platform you want, and you very easily can find a thousand preachers that will tell you a thousand different things. You can look on any given Sunday and you will go and find that there are live stream services that are being broadcast all over this country. And there are things that that are drawing people. As a matter of fact, I was completely appalled as Easter weekend here just a couple of Sundays ago. And there was video footages, footage of churches that were reenacting the crucifixion, but they were doing it with characters from Disney shows. They were doing it with characters from programs like The Wizard of Oz, where it would be uh, different characters that would be upon uh, what they were claiming as a, as a cross to be crucified. And, and there were little, there were little corny jokes, and little things that were being done. This was being done to church audiences uh, across the United States. I couldn't believe my eyes and Sister Linda, my heart sank as uh, they were trying to dumb down the gospel. They were trying to make it something soothing and palatable to people. They would say, well, in today's time, you don't need to preach about a bloody crucifixion that happened on an old rugged cross. Preacher, don't you know that it's out of date to talk about a Savior who bore our sins and that he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and he was chastised and for his by his chastisement it ensured brother Marvin my healing and your healing they don't want to talk about a savior who shed his blood on Galgotha's hill and was made an open example hanging there a man before those soldiers that would pierce his side with the spear that would mock and make fun they would gamble for his garments they would say you're out of touch preacher and so we want to make the gospel palatable give us Dorothy and give us the tin man give us Baal and give us the beast give us this character and that character and let us laugh and giggle oh but friends can I tell you you can water down and you can sugarcoat but that will never save the soul of a man can I say the rest of the world might think it's out of date that it's out of touch that we are traditional we are old fogies but for me it still takes the blood but for me it's still the old rugged cross for me it's still a savior who bled and died for my sin and for yours oh hear me we're in a time and in a place the word of God and what I was reading to you tonight it tells us there would be a time that they would not endure sound doctrine that they would not tolerate it simply to endure meaning they would not stay to listen they would not they would not adhere 
As a matter of fact, we could, we could do all kinds of things to promote a Hollywood idea about the gospel. We could bring entertainers in. And I, I tell you right now, there are names we could bring into this church that would do nothing but more than entertain. And we could pack this place out. You hear me? We could pack it out. Every pew in the balcony would be full so that they could see a name. So that they could see an entertainer. So that they could have a dinner and a show. So that they could have their ears tickled. So that they wouldn't have to endure. You see, because to the world, this is foolishness. The Word of God said, and the the fact the Apostle Paul said, it's through the foolishness of preaching. I know I I get up here and sometimes brother Chad I can look foolish I turn red face and I can spit ten pews back there's sometimes I feel the power of God and I gotta jump up on a pew I gotta shuffle my feet I gotta spin and shout I'll speak in tongues and the world will say that I'm crazy oh but I want to tell you it's through the foolishness of preaching and the preaching of the cross is what will save a soul it's a preaching of the cross that'll bring somebody like an Anna Walker into an altar. It's a preaching of the cross that'll set an addict like Gloria Fitzwater free. It's a preaching of the cross that'll take a man who was an alcoholic and set him free and give him a mission to do something for God. Disney and Hollywood won't do it, but the cross will. The word will. The blood will. Hallelujah. There's many. They won't endure it. As a matter of fact, I believe we come to find as to where we see more nowadays a remnant. We're finding more of a remnant. Truth is not appealing anymore. It's not appealing anymore. Amen. The Word of God says not only would they not be able to endure sound doctrine, but in an effort to hear what they want to hear, they would heap to themselves teachers. They would have itching ears. What's that mean? It simply means that they're at a point in a place. Their ears want to be tickled. They want to be told all the things that are soothing. As a matter of fact, some that would say, the Word of God said, they'd even say, tell us smooth things. Tell us easy things. Come on here. We are in an age and a time, and this is what we combat. Hear me. As much as I love each and every person in this church, from the pulpit to the pew, when we have to contend with this sinful flesh... When we have to contend with our humanity. When we have to allow the Holy Ghost to convict our hearts of that sin. And draw us to a place of repentance. Sister Linda, that's not a comfortable thing. I have sat under preaching. I have sat and listened. Oh, in services with Brother Torbert. I thought to myself, would that man of God hurry up and come to a close? Because all I wanted to do was cry all under a pew somewhere I couldn't hardly wait for it to be over there was times that we can come and sit and there are times that, and, and some of you talk nobody's, uh, nobody's cussed me out yet no, 
Nope, nobody's, no, at least not to my face. Amen. No, nobody's, uh, nobody's said anything mean or dirty to me just yet. Uh, oh, but, but I'll say this is there's probably some time. Uh, there's some of you talk to me after services and they'll say, Brother Jacob, I think that you have a bug in our house. I think you got a camera in our house because everything you were saying is exactly what's going on here. It's conversations that only me and my husband had, or it's conversations, or it's different things I've been going through and hadn't told nobody else. Let me just tell you right now, it is not this man, but what it is, it's the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost has free reign, and when he has free rule in a service, Sister Lindy, he'll come in, and he'll speak, and he'll take his finger and put it right on the thing that God's trying to speak to you about. Can I tell you, I know it, I mean, let me say this, there's sometimes I'll stand in the pulpit and say, God, help me because I don't always want to say what God would have me to say because I know sometimes it sounds harsh. Sometimes it sounds hard. Sometimes you might think Brother Jacob's the biggest jerk I've ever known. But I'll tell you this. I'd rather your feelings be hurt this side of heaven and you make it there. And then, then when we get over in that city... You can then hug my neck and say, thank you, preacher, that you love me enough to tell me the truth. Oh, hear me. I know the rest of the world's not going to endure it. And I know sometimes for us, it's a hard thing to endure. I know sometimes it's uncomfortable. But we need the truth. We need the truth of God's word. Like I said... On social media platforms, on all the things. The gospel is very accessible to us. But let me forewarn you is that not all of it is correct. Not all of it is right. It is easy to adopt and want to believe certain things are said right. Because it justifies where we are and where we stand on certain things. There are some preachers and there are some gospels that are embraced because it lines up with your political views. I'll just say it. Whether that be Republican or Democrat, we will embrace and we will adhere to and we will amen and we will support. Come on here. We will celebrate We will claim that that person is a man or woman of God because it aligns with our particular political view. There are some that we will will align ourselves with. There are some things we find agreeable because it does not convict us of sin. But rather it seems that we are justified. It seems maybe we have found somebody that understands where we're coming from. Somebody who is sympathetic to our sin. Somebody who who understands that life is hard and things are tough. And Brother Jacob, surely the word of God doesn't demand this of us. Surely God isn't asking this of us. Surely we don't have to really allow him access into this place of my life or that place of my life. Be careful, sir, and be careful, ma'am, as to what 
what you hear. We used to sing the song in kids' church, and it'd say, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, because we'd be reminded there's a Father up above looking down on us in love. So be careful. Can I say, if there's ever been a time more that we ought to be careful, I didn't hear the whole conversation. We went back to the music room to pray with the group as we do before every service. And I just heard a little snippet of Brother Marvin. Apparently he was talking with someone. Someone either in the family or somebody on the job, whatever the case might be. And he ain't got to tell me about it. And we ain't going to break down and have him tell the story right now. But uh, when I was back there, he was talking about somebody was dealing with the subject of baptism and salvation. Am I right, Brother Marvin, along those lines? And Brother Marvin said that they were saying one thing. And he said, listen, he said, that's what you say and that's what you teach. And I heard him say, but this is what the Bible says. Amen. And I wanted to say, Brother Marvin, I might just hand you the mic tonight and turn you loose because you're right on target with the preacher and you had no idea, amen, what we was going to preach on. Let me tell you something. You better be careful because right here in just a 10 mile radius you'll find a church somewhere that'll tell you and twist to you some story they'll offer you some doctrine they'll tell you something they'll show you some tank they'll show you a membership card they'll give you a list a plethora of religious duties you must confer to there was somebody telling me the other day they was asking them they was being interviewed by some teacher students uh, or teacher uh, student uh, doctors forgive me uh, it was sister Sheila sister Sheila and I was talking and she said the doctor said I have some students can they come in and ask you some questions and can they interview you and uh, one of them said what what do you believe what is your religion and she said well she said I am Pentecostal and they said well what exactly is Pentecostal and she began to tell them some things and and one of the young men said he said well I'm a Catholic and he said these are the things we have to do and he talked about what he had to do if somebody in his family was in purgatory what he had to do how many times he prayed the rosary how many times he did this this saint that he prayed to that saint that he prayed to this thing that he done this times that he fasted these things and and he said so what is it that you have to do and sister Sheila said brother Jacob she said I told it the best that I could and she said I hope that I didn't tell it wrong she said but I said this she said here's what I know I have to do I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that he was crucified that he is God's son and that he died for my sin but he arose on the third day hallelujah and I can't do enough to earn my salvation but just like the song said Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe hallelujah oh if you give man and let me say it more specifically if you let religious man give you opportunity they'll make you jump through all kinds of hoops to be saved they'll tell you all kinds of things that you must do but I want to remind you tonight we've got to be careful because even in today's time did you know the word of God said this That in these last days, the very elect would be what? Deceived. 
when the disciples, you've heard pastors say this before, and I'll say it over and over again until Jesus comes. The fact that the disciples asked him, said, tell us the signs of your coming. How will we know when you're coming again? What are the things that we look for? Before, Brother Keith, he ever mentioned earthquakes, wars and rumors of wars, famine, pestilence. These are the things that we often fixate on because they are world tragedies. They are easily recognizable instances. But you know the one thing that isn't always easily recognized, but it's the first thing Jesus said? The first thing he told the disciples when they asked them those things, he said, be not deceived. Be not deceived. The first thing he instructed them to do, but often it is the last thing the church is looking for in this day and this time. We are looking for these big and they are horrific and they are terrible moments. I mean, we, you, you'd have to be living in a cave and eating lint to not look around and see that there are things that this world, Brother Gold, it's just, it's, it's, it's churning and turning within itself. Amen. It's, it's longing. The Word of God even says that even the earth, it longs for, it's looking for the coming of the Lord. Now, I want you to understand the fact that we see all of these things, but we often in the church, and sadly, it is oftentimes church pe- people who are the most deceived. If we are the most deceived. We are deceived by traditions. Let me just park here for a minute. We are deceived by traditions. We often talk about, sing about, preach about, and understand the importance of things that have to change in our lives. That we become new creatures. Old things passed away. But we fight changes tooth and nail. We don't like it. We do not like it. We do not like the fact it makes us uncomfortable. Now, when I say the word change, don't bristle up and get all porcupiney on me and say, now, what's he getting ready to introduce to the church? I just knew. Give him a few years, he'd be out in left field somewhere, right? I just knew that would take place. And here he is. He's using biblical foundations as his platform in order to, no, not going to do that. When I talk about changes, I'm talking about the changes that have to happen and should happen in you and I. The things that require this flesh to be crucified. The things that require that we are renewed by the transforming of our mind. You see, traditions, we can get, we can get stuck in traditions of things that we have done and how we've done it. And, and we don't, and we'd even reach the point we don't even care why we do it. We just know we do it. And bless God, because we've done it so long, it is now the gospel. And that is tragic. There are tragic traditions. There are things that have gone on and are going on within the church world that it is not gospel, but it is tradition. Tradition of a denomination. Tradition of a church. And I'll even throw this out there. I'll put put preachers on the line. Sometimes it's traditions of a pastor. What a preference is for the pastor. I have seen 
I have experienced where pastors, Sister Brenda, they would not preach gospel, but they would preach their preference. They would preach their preference and therefore condemn those who would not align to their preference. Hear me. Let me say this. Mark it down. Put it in your mind. You can only be as spiritual as you are scriptural. Understand that. You can only be as spiritual as you are scriptural. There's a lot of people that their traditions they think make them spiritual. But brother Danny, there's nothing scriptural about it. We see this happen during the time of Christ. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, these religious leaders. They would go bananas. They would lose their minds if somebody didn't wash their hands the right way. Talk about petty. Did you know that it was customary? They believed that as somebody washed their hands, they had to tilt their hands upwards like this so the water ran down and touched their elbow because if it would reach and touch the elbow, then you were clean. They all the time attacking Christ. You can't heal somebody. It's the Sabbath day. You're not supposed to do anything. You can't forgive sin. Why in the world would you do this? Why would you? Christ continually challenged. And these were men who were zealots of the law, Brother Gary. They were zealots of the law. They, they, but, they, but they were inundated with their traditions. Can I say the thing that is tragic about traditions is sometimes God is working very hard to get you past the traditions that you have set. Let me say it like this. It's not just traditions of religiosity. Some of it is traditions of past and pain and things that are following you even from your family. There are some folks that you think there's no deliverance for you because you can't get past it because of the tradition. Now, you may not use that term, but I will, for the fact that, well, daddy was this way, so therefore, I got to be this way. Mama was this way, and therefore, I got to be this way. You see, Brother Jake, you don't understand. My whole family, we dealt with. There are people who will come into our services, and the devil has them believing they'll always be an addict. They'll always be a drunk. They will always be somebody involved in some immoral lifestyle. They will always be somebody who has to, they will never know the normalcy of, of a family or what love is really like or or that they are they are convinced they can't be a good parent they are convinced of these different things because there are traditions and there are things attached to you have been done to you patterns of behavior you've been stuck in but I want to tell somebody I'm glad tonight to report to you the devil is a liar I've seen people grow up in alcoholic homes and children that were set free from alcoholism I've seen folks that were abused but sister Debbie they were delivered they never had to abuse a child they never had to enter an immoral lifestyle they never had to succumb their self because Christ and the word and the 
blood. It sets captives free. The word of God always works. Always. But we are stuck with these things and these philosophies and these ideas. And so we then are looking for ways to suffice them. We have succumbed to the idea we have to live with it. And that's not true. That is not true. The Word of God reminds me, Brother, Brother Steve, that if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. You are free indeed. Listen. Ashlyn's aunt, her name is Shay. Shay came up in a home, in a setting, in an environment, and you can ask Carolyn, you can ask Mamaw. Terrible, terrible situations. Abuse, drugs, prostitution. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Things that Shay Hammond had seen that a little girl shouldn't have to see, things she had been through she never have should never have to go through. And she has sisters. She had a brother, a brother that passed away, but she's got sisters now. And those sisters that have been just in patterns of that lifestyle, patterns of those things, patterns of abuse, patterns of those situations. And, and I remember she was about, what, 14, 15 when she first met y'all? She just, I mean, just barely a teenage girl when she had met my in-laws and came into the church and she got radically born again. And I remember, Shay, there's been times sitting there that we'd be talking and Brother Coleman, the tears well up in her eyes. And she said, I know, I, she said, I can look at my family and I can see what I was supposed to be, what they said I was supposed to be, what the world said I was supposed to be, and what hell said I was supposed to be. And can I tell you to, that tonight, uh, that still to this day, from the time that she accepted Christ uh, as a teenage girl, Brother Segura, she was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Uh, chains were broken. Her life, it hasn't been perfect, but things begin to change and she said I can't answer for them but I do know that going forward for my daughter, for my son, for my home, for my family it stops right here because I don't have to keep perpetuating that behavior because Christ has set me free that's why I'm saying it's the power of the gospel the power of the word of God amen that's what truth does. And that's why we need truth. We, we, we are too easily, we're just wanting to slap band-aids on things and put a little salve on it and say, it'll, it'll be okay. Continue on. It'll be all right. The message of grace is abused. And, and the ideology, come as you are, is abused. Yes, you've heard me say it, come as you are. But he loves you enough, you will not stay the way that you are. I've never read scripture, Sister Coco, as to where Christ came in contact with somebody and that person ever stayed the same. Change happens when you have contact with truth. Listen, in this, it's so important. That we understand what we believe. We are often just tied to traditions and religion. We are often tied to what 
the word of God says here at the end of our text, it says their ears, uh, they had itching ears, they shall turn away their ears from truth and shall be turned unto fables. What does that mean? They will be turned on to stories. It's not truth, but it's a fable. Fable is fiction. Fable is make-believe. Now, I know the world, they would like to tell us what we believe is make-believe. That what we believe or what we follow, it's a fairy tale. I've heard it all. I've heard that it's just a crutch for the weak-minded. I've heard all kinds of different things that were said in order to dismiss that we would believe the Word of God. And it said that they will turn from the truth. If you turn from the truth, Brother Segura, your only option then is to believe a lie. It's to believe a lie. Now be careful where that lie comes from. Some lies will come from a pulpit. Some lies will come from what's contrived in your head. Some lies will come from what you and I tell ourselves. Have you ever said things like, I can handle this. I can do this. This ain't no thing for me. I've got this. I will will my way through it. No. Let me remind us tonight is the word of God simply says this. This is what the truth says. Christ said, without me... You can do nothing. So that tells me, Brother Eli, if I try to circumvent the truth, if I try to circumvent Christ out of the areas of my life, then I set myself up for failure. I'm believing a lie. Be careful. The Word of God goes on to say this in 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 7. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Listen to this. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Brother Danny, Sister Carolyn, if you'd come. I'm running out of time. Good thing about a series. I can pick right back up and we'll hit it again. But here's what I'll say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. Is that along with traditions and, relig- and religious ideas, if you turn from truth. Now, there are some well-intended grannies. Some well-intended grandmas. And papas And mamas and daddies. There was a gentleman I had the privilege to sit with. In a hospital waiting room. His daughter, she was in her 20s. She attended our church. She had gotten saved. She was filled with the Holy Ghost. God was doing a tremendous work in her life. Her family, they criticized her. They told her she was a part of a cult. They told her she ought not be down there at that church. They're weird down there. Bunch of weirdos, right? Don't, don't you hang out down there, all that kind of stuff. But he, she, was, she was a grown woman. She could go and do what she wanted to do. She didn't, she didn't live at home anymore either. So they couldn't hold, they couldn't pull financial strings. They couldn't threaten her with a, her house or anything. 
Her grandfather was having surgery. So we went, we set to be there with Nicole, and she called me about an hour before we got to the hospital. She was as nervous as could be. I said, what's going on, Nicole? She said, Pastor, I want to forewarn you. She said, my dad's going to be there. I said, okay. She said, I'm telling you right now, she said, he's probably going to ask you questions about the Bible, and he's probably going to want to argue with you, and he's probably going to want, you know, she, just, she was scared to death that he was going to say something, do something to embarrass or, you know, make me feel bad or maybe offend or what. I said, that's perfectly fine. I said, this, this, is, this is God's will. I said, I can't wait to meet him. We sat there, and he was the most hospitable gentleman I'd been around. He was super respectful. But the conversation did go into, what is it that you believe, Pastor? And so we were talking. And he told me, he said, I grew up in the church. He named the denomination that he grew up in. And I remember looking over and watching Nicole as there were several times her mouth would nearly fall open because he was saying things and the way that he grew up that I could tell he never told her. Especially when he said there was a time, he said, I felt the call of God on my life and I thought that he might want me to be a preacher. And, I, and then, Sister Brenda, then something really clicked and I thought in my mind, no wonder why you're so mean and honoring. Nothing worse than a backslid preacher. Somebody who's run from God's call. I'm telling you, some of the most miserable people you'll ever meet on planet earth. And so he said that and she was sitting there. She just couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe it. And I asked him, I said, well, well what is it? What is it that you believe? He said, well, right now, he said, I've been going to a synagogue. And he said, I've been meeting with a rabbi. And he said, I'm converting over to Judaism. And I said, can I ask you? I said, how do you go from growing up in the denomination that you did, believing that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, came and died for our sins, rose again from the third day, has ascended back to the right hand of the Father, is coming back again. He grew up in a denomination that believed those things. I said, how do you go from that and now will believe that he was not the Messiah, just a good man, that, that, he's, that you're still waiting on, still looking for the Messiah? How, how, how do you go from one extreme to another? He didn't flinch and he didn't bat an eye. He said, Pastor, he said, when I was a young man and God was dealing with me, he said, I started asking questions. He said, I'd ask my mom and dad, I'd ask my grandma and grandpa, why do we do this? Why do we believe this? Why this? Why that? And he said, I was not asking to be rebellious. He said, I wanted to know. He said, do you know the answer that I got all the time? Because that's what we do. This is what we say. Because that's what the preacher said. That's